and good start envisions the end result. Thank you for joining episode 29. I want to give you some tips, five reminders about your purpose. This is in conjunction with a series I've been doing here at our church. You don't know who I am, Bryce Harper. Me and my wife had the tremendous honor of being the lead pastors um, at Family Worship Center in Murfreesboro, Tennessee. We've been going through a series this past month entitled We Are on Assignment. I want to give you five reminders about your purpose. They come out of Acts chapter 12. And one of the key things that I think are the main takeaway from this is finding rest in restless situations. This really hit at home when I gave this message this past Sunday. Um, got a lot of great feedback. A lot of people saying this is exactly what they needed to hear and was a big encouragement and help to them. And Acts chapter 12 gives us an account that is restless, to say the least. About the time King Herod began to persecute some believers in the church, he had the apostle James killed with a sword. And when Herod saw how much this pleased the Jewish people, he also arrested Peter. This took place during the Passover celebration. This is in Acts chapter 12. Now in verse 4, then he imprisoned Peter, placing him under the guard of four squads of four soldiers each. Herod intended to bring Peter out for public trial after the Passover. So Herod has 16 soldiers, you know, surrounding an unarmed disciple of God. And I want to encourage you, whatever opposition you are facing in your life, um, that is just an opportunity for God to show his omnipotence, his omniscience and his omnipresence. And in verse four here in the 12th chapter of the book of Acts, the Bible says Herod intended to bring Peter out for public trial after the Passover. Herod intended. And the first reminder is this. Enemy has intentions, but God has interventions. God always has interventions. Jesus was the great work of intervention on behalf of the cosmos, on behalf of humanity. 1 Corinthians 10, 13 says, The temptation in your life are no different from what others experience. God is faithful. He will not allow the temptation to be more than you can stand. When you are tempted, He will show you a way out so that you can endure. And whatever trial or difficulty you're facing, know this, the enemy has intentions. He will always have intentions. He will always have plans and schemes and strategies to deter you off of your mission off of your purpose, mentally, emotionally, physically, spiritually. He has those intentions. They're never going to change. They're never going to be less than. They're never going to be easy. They're never going to just disappear. The enemy is always going to have intentions to disrupt your life in every single arena of life that you operate in. And your personal life, your marriage, your kids, your family, your finances, your business, your ministry your physical health, your mental health, your emotional health, and your spiritual health. The, the second reminder is this. In verse 5, But while Peter was in prison, the church prayed very earnestly for him. So the, the second reminder about your purpose and being on assignment is to be a part of people who pray earnestly. Here at our church, we're going to be beginning a time of prayer and fasting in August, from August 7th to the 28th. 
And it's going to be three weeks, 21 days of just prayer and fasting. And fasting biblically is about simply just removing some kind of element of food, um, whether that's just eating um, fruits and vegetables or just doing away with dairy or doing away with just sugar and treats and and um, desserts and are just doing smoothie only. There's a lot of different ways people go about this. And there's a lot of content out there. Jensen Franklin's got a lot of content on fasting that you can look into and find via YouTube, Google, uh, biblical fasting. You will see a lot of different things. But the second point is being a part of people who pray and pray earnestly. We take the first Wednesday night of every single month and we call a corporate prayer meeting. And those prayer meetings are just so powerful. And they're powerful because we are earnestly praying to the Lord. Hebrews eleven six says, It is impossible to please God without faith. Anyone who wants to come to God must believe that God exists and that He rewards those who sincerely seek, seek Him. Verse 6 in Acts chapter 12, The night before Peter was to be placed on trial, he was asleep, fastened with two chains between two soldiers. Others stood guard at the prison gate. The Bible says Peter was asleep on the night before he goes to trial. A quick reminder, James was just killed with the sword. His friend in the faith. I mean, this is a restless situation, yet... Peter is somehow finding rest. So point number three, your reminder of finding your purpose is learn how to rest in restless situations. Me and my wife and our family just got back last week from family vacation. Went and visited her family in Florida. And man, it was awesome. It was amazing. It was really hot, but it was just a beautiful time. And, and spending time with family, got to just have some really good conversations. A lot of those conversations um, with brother-in-laws and sister-in-law is, you know, what's it like being a pastor for this, you know, over a year now? What are some things that you've learned and what's been most difficult? And I shared a couple of things and I share this with our church. I'll share it with you here is a couple of things. I, I think the most difficult thing in being a lead pastor, um, especially of our size, is you have to be pastor and CEO. You have to be pastor you have to be pastoral, and then you also have to be a boss. There's no better way of doing it. You know, it's not best for me just to be a boss. It's not best for me just to be pastoral and vice versa. I mean, I have to be 100% both. I can't be 50% pastoral and 50% boss. I have to be 100% pastoral, and I have to be 100% CEO. And that is a very difficult thing to do to say the least. Um, one of the other things that I have learned, one of the questions I was asked um, just amongst family, sitting by the beach, watching the kids play in the pool and talking with family, you know, what, what's what been the thing you've learned the most? And the thing I've learned the most, and I think this is going to be very helpful to you, is that I've learned there are things um, that I can control. And then there are things that I cannot control, no matter what I do. No matter how much I study, how much I read, how much counsel I get, how much I pray, how much I fast, doesn't matter. There are just things that I cannot control and being okay with not controlling those things. So I have learned to control what only I can control and to let go of things that I, that only God can control. And that can be said to a lot of us 
in every area of our lives. To control the things that we can't control and to let go of the things only God can control. And a lot of times we get that backwards. We are desperately so many times trying to control things only God can control. And we're not just staying, sticking to the things that God has given to us, the one, the five, the ten talents that God has called us to steward over and controlling what he has called us to control. And here Peter is finding rest because he cannot control. He is chained. He is fastened. There is nothing he can do physically. There's nothing he can do in this moment to get himself free, to liberate himself of the situation of this injustice. He has to. He has to trust God is going to somehow just make a way. Learning to rest in restless situations. I have to remind you of Psalms 23. Many of us may know it. And maybe us knowing it so well has been a detriment to us. Psalms 23 says this in the New Living Translation. The Lord is my shepherd. I have all that I need. (laughs) I have all that I need. Peter had everything he needed. If he was sleeping on the night before trial, it's because somehow or another he knew deep down in every in every facet of his life that he had everything that he needed. Psalms 23 verse 2, he leads me he lets me rest in green meadows, he leads me beside peaceful streams, he renews my strength, he guides me along the right path, bringing honor to his name. Even when I walk through the darkest valley, I will not be afraid. If you are close beside me, your rod, your staff, protect and comfort me. You prepare a feast for me in the presence of my enemies. You honor me by anointing my head with oil. My cup overflows with blessing. Surely your goodness and unfailing love will pursue me all the days of my life, and I will live in the house of the Lord forever. When I went to Israel this past May, I got to actually go to the site where David wrote Psalms 23. It is anything but restful green meadows. There is a stream that is a very generous term to give. Uh, What I witnessed, of course, could have obviously looked a lot different um, back when David wrote it. But it's because David had everything that he needed. And it wasn't about all the other things. Peter had everything that he needed. Obviously, somehow somehow or another, he had everything that he needed because he was in prison on the night before trial, fast asleep. Verse 7 says this in Acts chapter 12. Suddenly, there was a bright light in the cell, and an angel of the Lord appeared before Peter. And the angel struck him on the side to awaken him and said, quick, get up. And the chains fell off his wrists. Peter was so asleep that that an angel came in and had to hit him. To wake him up, struck him on the side to wake him up. Peter somehow found deep rest in a very, very restless situation. And it's awesome that when Peter got up, the chains fell off. When Peter did what the angel said, things begin to fall off of his life. Things fall off of our lives when we obey the word of God. When we obey the direction, the guidance, and the counsel, and the wisdom of of, an, of a heavenly sovereign God. You're wondering how you're going to break an addiction or get breakthrough in a certain situation. It is going to be by direct correlation to our obedience to the voice of God and what he's saying. Whatever he says, just do it. So number four, reminder number four is God opens and closes doors. No man can open or shut. Rest and follow him. 
So let's go through these real quickly. The enemy has intentions. Number one, the enemy has intentions, but God has interventions. Number two, be a part of people who pray earnestly. Number three, learn to rest in restless situations. Number four, God opens and closes doors. No man can open or shut, rest, and follow him. And number five, I'll go ahead and jump to this. God uses anyone who's willing to believe. Peter goes all the way to the place where all of his friends were gathered praying. A servant girl named Rhoda opens the door, or or she doesn't open the door, actually. Uh, She hears Peter's voice, and she's so overjoyed that she forgets to open the door, and she runs back to tell everybody uh, that Peter's at the door. Everybody in the prayer meeting saying, you're out of your mind. Um, She insisted, but they they replied, you know, that it must be his angel. So these people were praying. I don't know what they, I don't, I guess they weren't praying for Peter to get out um, because they couldn't believe it when he did. Um, And they believed that it was his angel. So I guess they were, had more faith that he was going to die than survive this situation. Meanwhile, Peter in verse 16 Peter continued knocking. Uh, they finally opened the door and saw, saw him, and they were amazed. Uh, so, so number five is this. God uses anyone who's willing to believe. Rhoda, the servant girl, gets to provide this incredible, magnificent, miraculous news. Um, a servant. God uses anyone who's willing to believe. Rhoda believed. She was overjoyed. So overjoyed, she forgot to open the door. And, and she is just glowing in this moment of how God answered and did a miracle. Um, but I want to go back to this thought of finding rest in this, in a restless situations. I, I believe Peter got this from Jesus. He saw this in Jesus. Mark four gives us an account. Verse 35 as evening came. Jesus said to his disciples, let's cross to the other side of the lake. So they took Jesus in the boat, started out leaving the crowds, but soon a fierce storm came up. High waves were breaking into the boat and began to fill with water. And Jesus was sleeping at the back of the boat with his head on a cushion. The disciples woke him up shouting, Teacher, don't you care that we are going to drown? When Jesus woke up, he rebuked the wind, said to the waves, Silence, be still. Suddenly the wind stopped and there was a great calm. And then he asked them, Why are you afraid? Do you still have no faith? Disciples were absolutely terrified. Who is this man? They asked each other, even the wind and the waves obey him. What's fascinating about this is a lot of things. First of all, this was the 13th miracle Jesus had had done before before them. This was this was a or the 13th miracle of the life of Jesus. Really the first miracle is his virgin birth. Um, but the second one being the changing the water into wine and so on. Healing of the royal official son, healing of the Capernaum demoniac, healing of Peter's mother-in-law, healing of a leopard, catching a large number of fish, miracle of healing a centurion servant, healing a paralyzed man, healing a withered hand, raising a widow's son, and then calming the storm. So there's, there's all these miracles already, to, a dozen of them that have already taken place. And the disciples are asking, who is this man? And I, I want to share this with you. Even if you haven't seen God do it, doesn't mean God can't. Just because you haven't seen God do what you need him to do in a specific situation. They never seen him calm a storm. 
They didn't know he had the ability to calm the wind and the waves. And there's a lot of times we think God may be able to heal somebody physically, but, you know, can he heal me emotionally? Can he heal me mentally? Can he heal my situation? I've never heard him doing um, a, a miracle in this realm that I'm in right now, in this situation that I'm facing. And just because you haven't seen him do it doesn't mean he can't and doesn't mean he isn't able. 1 Corinthians 2, 9 says, says this, No eye has seen, no ear has heard, and no mind has imagined what God has prepared for those that love him. And here Peter is in a jail the night before his trial, night before basically what would be death, and he's asleep. Here Jesus is before on a boat in a fierce storm. Waves are crashing in on the boat. Waters, waters beginning to cap over into the boat. And Jesus is asleep. I'll give you two things, two ways to find rest in a storm. Remember the last thing God said. Jesus said before they got on the boat, let's go to the other side. And if that's what he said, you can rest assured that's what's going to happen. No matter what is going to transpire from when you got on the boat and when you get off, if he says we're going to the other side, you can remember and trust the last thing that God said. That's one way to find rest in a storm. The second thing is to do what he does. What does God do in storms? Apparently, he takes a nap. Apparently, he relaxes. Apparently, he lets go of what he can control and lets, and lets God control what only he can, what God can control. Isaiah 26 says, You will keep in perfect peace all who trust in you, all whose thoughts are fixed on you. Trust in the Lord always, for the Lord God is the eternal rock. Peter was able to find peace and rest in a restless situation because his mind was at perfect peace because he was had his thoughts fixed on Jesus. How do we how do we fix our mind on the Lord? We have to fill our thoughts with God's word. We have to fill our thoughts with his ways. We have to fill our our thoughts with his promise. Those are the anchors in our life that that allow us to be still and to rest. How do you how do you fill your mind? How do you fix your thoughts on God? You're going to have to consume a lot of God's word, a lot of godly holy content in your life. Man, I hope this has been helpful for for you and um I encourage you don't face storms alone. Um you have obviously God's word. You have God's Spirit, the same Spirit that raised Jesus from the dead. The Bible tells us it's quicken our mortal bodies. Um, but we are also told to, to seek and to find and to knock and to ask and to petition and to make it known. Jesus didn't do life alone, and I would recommend none of us do life alone. We highly recommend life groups to our people to join a group of people who meet every week, every other week. And they pray together, they share a meal together, they just get together, hang out, sometimes go over a book that they're reading together. But you need to get together with people who are praying earnestly, who are seeking God, that you can talk to, that you can trust in. Um, and I would encourage you, don't face storms alone. You have the Spirit of God, you have the Word of God, you have the church, and then being a part of a company of people who seek the Lord. Man, I hope this has been helpful for you. Thank you for joining. Don't ever, ever, ever forget... A good start envisions the end result.